Welcome to G'day GA. My name is Liam Lenehan and I'm joined here at my kitchen table here in Melbourne, Australia by John Heenahan and Shawnee O'Leary. Welcome along, lads. How are you, Liam? Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good evening, Shawnee. This podcast um, has come about as we think the voice of the overseas GA community is sometimes forgotten. Now, this is our first episode of G'day GA and we hope to have many more. We're hoping to shed some light on the GA community in Australia and also give our perspective on what's happening at home. Now we're also from time to time we're hoping to have some special guests in with us and maybe over Skype but please be patient with us as we're just starting off on this new adventure. So Shawnee, you're here in Australia since 2010. How did you become involved in the GA community in Melbourne? So 2010 I will, we made a decision to come out to Melbourne and I did know some club, well not club mates but a neighbouring club, uh, a guy by the name of Fergus Murphy and I got on to who his, uh, one of his teammates and um, so he told me the club that we're playing out, the club he was playing with out here which is Gary Owen and um, I just hit him up with a Facebook message when I was heading out here um, had no real expectation of, of, of any standard or anything like that out here and and it all started from there really and that's the, the club I stuck with and the club I'm with now Gary Owen so you've been with Gary Owen for seven years seven years now seven yeah. years yeah. And, and John you're a more recent arrival when, when did you start playing with Gary Owen uh, I, I started playing with Gary Owen three years ago and I, I'll be honest with you I came over off the plane and I wasn't playing hurling again for another couple of years that was, that was the whole view I was so I suppose pissed off with the GA at home being a club senior hurling player that you kind of play one or two games in May, then you get an absolute no idea when you're playing your next game. It could be three weeks away, it could be three months away, and then you end up playing into the doldrums into October, November when the when the pitches go to crap. So when I came over, I, I didn't want to play at all, and uh, two mates of mine, Anna Tarpey and, and, and Connor Brennan, who I went to college with, hit me up to say, you got to come down training on a Saturday. I think there was a seven-a-side tournament uh, in six weeks, and I said, right, go on, I'll go down. And... It was just very enjoyable. The sun was out. It was twenty-seven degrees, uh, playing with lads from different counties. Gary Owen is predominantly a, a kind of a monster club, even though I know you're from Kilkenny yourself, Liam. But um, just really enjoyed it. And you train on a Tuesday and train on a Thursday, like to do at home. And you play your matches on a Sunday. And the season was very finite. You you play if you start training in January and you finish up at the end of June. So it's six months. You know when the games are on. And I, I was actually quite surprised then by the standard that I found out here. You've you've got guys from I guess junior B standard to inter-county standard and uh, you can end up marking either of them <coughs> as you go along in the games and get a few scores or not get a few scores as it be but very enjoyable experience out here and do you think you would have got involved in the same to you Shawnee if you didn't know someone here in Melbourne do you think you would have looked up a club yourself maybe or try and find someone on Facebook and get involved and get back playing or would you have gone down there maybe of trying Aussie rules or getting involved in the local uh, gym do you think knowing prob- someone was kind of a hook in it definitely it's yeah it's definitely a, a segue into actually getting involved here but I, I probably I was a bit similar like John no I was kind of had enough I'd given enough commitment back home in Ireland to, to hurling and it basically rules your, your whole life and your whole summer holidays and things like that how was your local club at home Watergrass Hill we were a premier intermediate hurling team um but it, yeah, I don't think so. I think I would have went into Aussie rules straight away just to try something different. I mean, I'm going to a different country, so 
you're going to try and sample the local the local sport there first before you get into hurling and it's not you see when you come into melbourne you come into a, a big city so it's not it's not really accessible the hurling the hurling here it's out it's out about um i suppose from the city it's what 40, 40 45 minutes, minutes yeah. from it's not like going into watergrass hill no no it's not <laughs> certainly not like it's not the local pitch like because and i think that's that's unless you have a segue into it or a, or a contact out here it'll be very hard to get into the hurling out here and obviously I, I play a bit myself and I think I was the same I came out in 2010 as well same as you Sean but I actually didn't get involved playing until 2013 um, it just took me a while to get going and it was I joined Gary Owen as well because it was a guy I went to uni with <coughs> any reason why you didn't start uh, I don't know I was where I was living and where I was working I, I knew where you, where you guys were training but it just wasn't working at the time but then I mm. moved house and then I just all kind of changed um, and it made it a bit easier but no one one of the guys down there was the, the draw to go back down I suppose no one part. it's hard to tr- turn up I think day one at a, at a club at any level and not know one person and yeah, but try you, into it you know and I, obviously I, I played a lot at home yeah but you, you, you'd be you, like from seeing you out here and knowing you out here like you're a very committed GA person I mean yeah. um, you're president obviously of the Gary Owen GA club um, um, a well known hurler out here I mean I just I find it interesting that you you took you three years to get involved in hurling out here. Yeah, I suppose when I arrived in twenty ten, it was the end of twenty ten. So I suppose maybe it was two full years. And I, yeah. it's a regret I do have that I didn't get involved in it sooner. But I suppose it was the uncertainty in my first year. I was on the working holiday visa. Oh, right. I was yeah. kind of you know I wasn't okay. up and established and you were kind of like enjoying so, yourself really or seeing how it goes. Correct. Yeah, yeah, moving around a bit and trying to get work sorted and all that. But yeah, I I did miss it. And then obviously when I did get involved, I went. I suppose hell for later and did, got yeah. involved playing and involved in the organising side of things now. But and I think it's interesting now that if a lad touches down in Tullamarine and he's any bit of hurling in him at all, Tullamarine is the airport in Melbourne by the way, he's snapped up and there's sometimes yeah. even different lads. I remember there was two boys from Antrim arrived this year and we had a builder down there offering him a job and Sinn Féin, the other club had a builder down there offering him a job and we didn't get him in the end but it's fairly competitive like when the players come out and then you have a scenario then where some players come out and they're really interested and some players come out and they have no interest whatsoever. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. And we've experienced that, I think, where we've had some excellent hurlers with great reputations at home who've come out and like maybe you were at the start, John, they're out here for something different and maybe the same as you, John, that you hadn't hurled on your radar coming to Australia. I don't think it's on any of our radars nah. coming out because you don't know that it's... You still bring the Hurleys for an old poke around. But I, st- yeah. I, still, I brought four hurls when I came. Yeah. And my helmet. But you'd be a cornerback, you'd probably break a few. <laughs> yeah, <maybe. laughs> but I, I did bring four hurls and I brought a helmet even though I didn't play for yeah. two years and I still had to carry that, them all around <laughs> with me uh, even my first two weeks travelling on buses and everything. But yeah, I think we all came out, we never lost sight of it but for me, it just took me a while to get into it. Yeah. Um, it's a bit like it's. it's I, I spent a summer in, in Boston and just the way you were saying there about people going to the airport and trying to get you know fellas to play with different clubs That that's synonymous with, with Boston and New York yeah. like you know fellas yeah. I remember going over to Boston and there was two or three clubs at the airport you know trying to get you to go with them I mean you're not even you're not even hardly off the plane and they're trying to get you to go with different clubs it's, it's starting to get a bit like here now because because there's so many I think at the moment there's so many um, so many lads staying here you know there's a there's a good home base they used to call it in, yeah, in yeah, home base players in America yeah. it's over here it's more like oh, you're more, yeah. like a lot of the teams now this year would have had the bones of I'd say 10 to 12 
at least 10 to 12 players that played last year playing on the teams again this year. And yeah. where does, yeah, exactly. And I think it's that cohort of those 10, 12 lads is what kept us going the last few years in our club. They have that kind of, that backbone, I suppose. That commitment, yeah. That commitment of just yeah. those 12 guys kind of keeps it going. But I, when you lose one of those guys, which we lost this year, one or two went home who had been out here for a number of years, you really feel it, I think, because some of the guys have come in then are only here a year, they don't have the same commitment to it. And I think... We, you have to get to realisation once you're here more than one or two years that this is actually your club now yeah. I think when you come out first you know first you're playing like oh I'll be going back to Lismore like you would already yeah. back to Walker, so I'll be going back to Dixborough and Kenny but then I'm here seven years and I haven't played for Dixborough since I haven't been back and now I'm coming to the point where yeah, maybe at some stage I'll go back but Gary Owen my is my club now yeah I, I think the first year or two it doesn't feel it like doesn't that it's feel just like a bit that. of fun and it's a bit of like you're kind of a bit footloose like, and you're just you know you're you're not really going. You are kind of going through the motions, but you're like, there's no fear. Like, you yeah, know, exactly. it's not. The more the years go on, the more it becomes your club. The more it comes ingrained yeah. in you, and the more like losing to the other teams is is gets not gets harder and harder. Yeah. 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 Whereas, like when you come out first, if you if you lose one or two games at the start, like sure, I don't even know the other teams. I don't know yeah. the yeah. other names of the boys in the teams. I hardly know the names of the boys in the team I'm on at the moment. <laughs> you know, yeah. so that's that's your attitude, like and. Yeah. As you go on, then it gets more ingrained, and yeah, and it's like the jersey nearly wears on to you at that stage. I think you, I think you said it a couple of times this year, Sean, and in previous years that when in a, towards the end of the year to say it before a big game that <coughs> you'll never play with this group mm. again. Like in the in the five years I've been playing, and probably the seven years you've been playing, same with you, John. We've never had the same. No. The next and year, and you never do, and no. you ne- and you never will. And that's the nature of playing. Gee, but, obviously, but I'm not saying that's a negative thing, but. I think it means you have to each year you really have to embrace it. Yeah. That you just don't yeah. know who's yeah. going to come in the door. No. It's, kind of, it's kind of like playing for your college team or your underage team. Yeah. You know, you're, you're going to be gone the next year, or there'll be a new player to come in and replace the guy who's going to go. So it does because we're all in Melbourne. It's all tight, and we're all similar age groups. It's tight. You don't have the thing at home where you've got ten lads up in Dublin and no. they're training on their own, and, down. and you've got three or four minors coming through because you, you, the majority of lads here are between the ages of twenty four and thirty five, right? Um, so you, it's a closer in a bunch whereas at home you'd have a lad who could be 40 and then you could have two of the county minors coming through and they're yeah. 17 mm. and you have a mad kind of range but um, yeah that, that's that's what hurling is like I guess over here it's it's tight knit I think when you get over here you don't expect it but then all of a sudden you get kind of engrossed in it and you become as competitive as you are at home and that's yeah, what it is and I think I like to speak to a lot of people at home to say oh I say I'm playing hurling out here and oh what's the story with training I'm like yeah well we train two nights a week and a match at the weekend and they're like blown away that we train two nights a week yeah and now That's we train for an hour and a half and that it's as obviously the, the skill level is varies like we said we have different quality of players but the commitment level is guys are there on a Tuesday night they're there on a Thursday night and they're playing a match on a Sunday yeah. and the guys at home in the club are doing the same thing Yeah, and that's a great point I mean you just said about the you know we train twice a week and we play one game at the weekend and it's a given and I think that's the surprising thing for me because coming over here I thought oh, we'd, we'd go and play or play hurling in Australia it's going to be pretty handy enough turn up on Sunday puck a few yeah. balls over the bar and you're the standard is pretty surprising the standard would probably I don't know comparing to a cur- curling championship and yeah I'd say it's around the intermediate type of standard and that I'd bring that into we'll say the Victorian championships yeah yeah. I'd say it'd be around an intermediate type of standard then you go and if you play for your state which is Victoria here we play with I think that probably it touches on senior, lower senior, senior type yeah. of standard, I would say. Yeah. Um, so that in in that regard, you know, for 
for anybody coming out here. I mean, that's the standard they're dealing with. And I think fellas are actually surprised when they do turn up and play yeah, I how think, tight it is. Like. I think we've had guys come out, like you said, recently who thought they'd just turn up and the first game they thought we were in for a handy one next yeah. minute. They know they're in for a, a good game. And I think that's something again that people don't get back home. But I think what you said earlier, Sean, about playing in Boston, the difference is funny between playing in America and playing here is I suppose that you went out there for maybe two months. I went out to Boston myself for a summer. Yeah. Yeah. You were in New York. You are in New York for another summer. But that you're out there, you go out for eight weeks, you get put up, you get a job, it's all laid on for you, yeah, you're there for the party. You'll play as well, whatever. But out here, you don't have lads coming out for eight weeks. No. You don't have your property developer like you have in Boston or New York funding your funding you to come out and, no. and bankrolling you like like you do over there, especially with the Younger County lads that hook out for the summers like sort of Joe Cannings and these kind of lads and I'm sure you might have had something similar. But Australia is is unique in its own because it's so far away that you're out, you're out for the year at a minimum. You're playing for that club for the yeah. year for the minimum. It's it, it's it's very interesting the contrast between playing overseas in America and playing overseas here and after having done all of us think I've played both, you know. Um you do, yeah, and it's it's like it's a backpacker is the is the minimum amount of time you're gonna be out here. So the backpacker six is gonna be here for six months, and yeah. I can't remember, not not too not too recently any that we've had a backpacker who's actually played verse for one year and then gone. Doctor Pag here, he's probably the closest thing. Is he yeah. gone? <laughs> no, he's no, wrong, but he's the closest thing in backpacker we have, <laughs> and he's a doctor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I think it's funny. I think we we're just talking about this before we we came on air here is how. The age demographic of our team is is quite interesting, and I think it's linked back to the recession in Ireland. That twenty ten recession hit. Sean, you came. Well, recession hit probably 2009. I came two thousand ten. You came two thousand ten. You came a couple of years later. But that all of us now, the majority of the team are over thirty, because yeah. mm. we all came out in our twenties. We had mm. maybe worked for a year or two in Ireland, and then we've all stayed because. Yeah. Things weren't so good back home. We didn't have an option probably to go back home. We've all got jobs, careers, selling the houses, partners. Some of us have children, and now it's like we're all in our thirties over here. Whereas probably previous to that, the Gary Owen teams, other teams would have had a, a, a younger demographic in their twenties. We're, we're we're lucky in that respect because if you're in your thirties at home playing club, and if you're working in Dublin, like half the country are, you're probably retired by the time you're twenty eight because mm. one, you've pulled too many hamstrings, or you've done your hips from driving up and down the road to training. And, and it's just turned into such a young man's game at home. Yeah. And we're kind of lucky that our hurling careers are prolonged, being able to play at a really competitive standard into our 30s. I'm Shawnee, you're 36, I'm 33, Liam's 30. Shawnee Fitz plays and he's with us and he comes on and says, oh, he's 44. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's very enjoyable that way. And I guess probably because players are at that same level and you're able to train in close proximity to where you live, it kind of prolongs it a, a bit for you, which is good. Yeah, I, I think that I think it's surprising that why would you miss things at home that you have with your club? Like I suppose we don't have our own local pitch to train on. We train on a a, a local pitch that's owned by the local equivalent of the county council. And while we don't have the same facilities in terms of dressing rooms and the pitch, obviously isn't a hurling pitch. We're still very lucky that we're able to have a field to train on. It's in close proximity relatively to our houses. Probably don't have longer than a twenty minute drive, mm-hmm. which is similar enough to a home. Yeah. you know, like I suppose. I might have had a 10 minute drive at home but I have a 20 minute drive here like you know it's not too bad like you yeah. know, whereas like you said you're living up in Dublin you're coming down on a Tuesday night to train two hours two hours down in traffic going back up that night if you're working again and back down there on a Friday night and your weekends are gone and all that like it's a massive commitment for a, a club level yeah. the intercounty level different story but the, the commitment to club level and I know from talking to my friends at home we're still hurling at that level in Kenya and hurling at senior hurling level in Kenya it's gone to another level again 
for training. Some of them have are three nights a week now. Yeah. And matches at the weekend. Mm-hmm. Like wall ball sessions and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, no. you know, it's I think and it's from talking to someone, I think the enjoyment that we get from we have a really good, I think, um, social side to it as well. They don't I don't think they have that social side because no. they're so caught up in training and, and gym yeah. at the club level. I think you're dead right, yeah. I mean you're spot on the two points you made. I mean, it does prolong your, your career because, as you said, you're only playing for six months of the year. You're you're training twice a week. You've got a match at the weekend. And it's not every weekend. We I think, do we play about 15 50 to games? weekends around yeah. the year. Yeah. So you have 15 or 16 games a year. And that's on top of the that's on top of the um sevens tournament the sevens the oh is it yeah, yeah. so like that's that's not a that's not a whole pile of games you know whereas at home you might only get that amount of games but it's stretched out over 10 months yeah yeah i mean yeah. and like i know from my own personal view and yeah we were, we were a dual club so we were the same standard in hurling and football we used to be dogged in terms of like <laughs> yeah. training and yeah. matches we're out every night of the week nearly and you just be sick of it you'd be sick of it come June, July, August. I know you said you'd be out in October. Didn't too many years I was out in October. <laughs> yeah, but as if you got to a final. But but it's it is like you're you're just a massive strain on you. And then you come out here, everything is regimented. You know exactly when you're training. You have your weekends. Yeah, there's hundred yeah. county. You, you get a fixture list. M- yeah. more or less in January, and you're it's going to be ninety percent down I'd, the rest of the year. I'd say a lot of a lot of club players at home would would love to see love to see something like that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we all seen the whole. Gaelic or Gaelic Players Association the issues players this association. year, or, yeah. yeah, or the club players, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think that's such a true point that it's the certainty is fantastic, and I think you're able to plan around your weekends or all this or that kind of stuff. Whereas I know at the boys at home now, especially with Kenny got knocked out a bit earlier than, than normal this year, the whole thing was thrown up in the air again. You know what I mean? Like, is all of a sudden things were back on where lads had made plans to thought mm. they were going to go away. I know it sounds like a small thing, but especially for a club player not being able to plan that kind of stuff is, uh, is, is ridiculous. You I, know? I think we don't even know the half of it over here. It was bad when I came over three years ago, but the Club Players Association is a, is a godsend. You've got the whole fixtures of the GA organised around less than 1% of the playing population, which is an absolute joke. Mm. But I think that's a whole, we could get into that yeah. thread now and yeah. we go on for hours. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I suppose another big thing for me out here is, um, is keeping in touch with the GA back home or following back home. I know we just had um, the All-Ireland semi-final on Sunday between Galway and Tipperary and I know we all have different ways of tuning in out here in Australia. We have the GA Go, it's an online streaming service, um, which is a fantastic service. Previously, it used to be on TV, it used to be on the kind of the equivalent of Sky. There was a channel that said, hand down, you pay an extra $20 a month to get that channel, but that's gone now. But now we get every single game live and on demand from the league back in February right the way through to the Ireland series and we get the Sunday game highlights and I have to say it's fantastic um, it's changed the way I think you get you get to follow because you get to watch it whenever you want rather than have to stay up until mm-hmm. till one in the morning on the Sunday night which we don't mind doing I suppose when it gets to the latter stages but to watch those league games in February is a bit harder <laughs> uh, or have to go to the pub to watch them or to have to go to the pub to watch them yeah, yeah. and we can watch them on our phone or I know John you often watch it in, in bed with the headphones on which is which is which is funny, really, when you think about because you never you never would do that at home. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's it's a different experience of watching watching the Sunday game and watching your your county. Yeah. In the championship, I mean, it's one or two o'clock in the morning. Find me hard to hard to imagine. Yeah. But um, as you said, yeah, the GA Go has been a godsend because when we first came out here, it was like you had to go to the local pub and the local Irish pub, and it was like two o'clock in the morning, like. 
It was just a disaster getting up for work in the Monday morning, like, and you can't go to the pub and have a glass of water and try and watch the match. And there's about a hundred other people fall around the place trying to watch the match as well. So. Yeah, and it's different. It's funny because I remember being in America, in Boston, watching an Ireland semi final between Cork and Kenny in 2008, and it was on at 11 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And it was unbelievable. Having the breakfast. Having the breakfast watching yeah. it. But then. I prefer that though, than, than it took too long. Also, I'm saying, <laughs> it was unreal, and then yeah. you've, over here, then obviously with the time difference, it's that's, I suppose, the biggest drawback for Australia for me is. The live sport in the northern hemisphere yeah. is on at ridiculous hours, and you're you're very rarely, unless it's something you're really committed to, you, you'll watch it. I think what I did on with the Galway Tip match, and we talk about that in a second, was I couldn't, I didn't watch it live because I had, I didn't want to stay up that late going go yeah. next morning. I know John, you did, but I watched it on the Monday night. But what I meant was the next day, no WhatsApp for me. I know John, you were messaging me. I just had to had the notifications <laughs> turned off. No Twitter. Did you watch it on Monday night? Watch Monday night. No yeah. Twitter. No Irish Times. Uh, around half eight. I was oh, I was watching as well at that time. Well, you're logging, so yeah, me and Shawnee share logging. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, because I saw you. You were watching. I said, "Well, well, yeah." Egon Biantos. Normally, normally <laughs> it kicks us out. But anyway, yeah, but I stayed away yeah. from the results all day. Oh, I knew the results. Uh, I, I, just, I still watched it because no, I would have watched it too. But I love watching it without knowing the results. Yeah, and it's very hard to do. You'd be very disciplined. But I was delighted with myself that I stayed away from it all day. Jeez, that's that's good going. How yeah. do you do that? Yeah. The other thing is when you're when you're up at two o'clock in the morning and you're watching. I remember the Dublin Mayo All Ireland said final last year. I was watching. I'd be a Mayo football man. The abuse to be roaring at the iPad, and I only reckon the neighbours must think I'm absolutely cracked because <laughs> you just be so wound up in the game yeah. at two yeah. in the morning, roaring at the telly like you would be at home, and then the old Aussies must think we're just absolutely cracking the head altogether. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's funny, and especially when you get so right up at that hour of the morning, it's actually hard to go to bed after staying up because you're kind of. What would you do now if your county got to the All Ireland final? Would you watch? Would you watch it at home, or would you go to the pub match? If Watford get to play Galway this weekend, we might have to look at the old weekend trip back home. <laughs> would, you, would you make a trip? The only thing is, I'd be, a bit, I'd be, I'd be a bit scared from 2008 still. The last time we got to another final of Watford. Yeah, that wasn't a great time for Watford. A beating that day. But um, I reckon that if Watford can beat Cork, which I'd be confident they will beat Cork, I think Galway have never beaten Watford in championship in nine attempts. And we seem to have a kind of a hoodoo over Galway. Every time we played them, so no, no, I'd be no. fairly confident it could end the end the That's an interesting stat. It is, yeah. Oh, so when did they last play in the championship? I, th- I think they've played about six times in the last twenty years. Okay, so no. and there was there was one game in particular. Kind of, the game Torres Galway had the game wrapped up, six yeah. points up. Dan was injured. Shane Welch came on. The two Malang. guys came on, and they did untold. And then <laughs> John Milan got a hand pass out, typical Milan, yeah. and he running down the, the field like a ball eagle off the left, and yeah. he won. We won by a point. That, yeah. And uh, we played him. We played him in ninety eight, ninety eight. When t- when we we got to the All Ireland semi final against the Kenny Tony Brown got hurled of the year. That was the kind of first time oh, yeah. we've played them in a few qualifiers, uh, and we've always beaten them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you spent. Yeah. Okay. It'd be interesting though. I think Cork will be. Uh, obviously, you have to go over them first, but that's going to be the, a big challenge for you after losing to them earlier in, in the year. And with Ty De Burke at his moment, is it still he's still suspended as we speak? It's tomorrow night he's going to the DRA, the yeah. final final, and I think it's an absolute joke if he doesn't get off for what he did. Um, yeah. But uh, I, th- I I think I prefer to be in Waterford shoes and Cork shoes coming into the semi final, having been beaten in Munster, yeah. rather than the other way around. It's it's classic. Looking back at two thousand and thirteen, Cork beat Clare in the Munster semi final, turned up in the other in the final, got beaten. It's 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 just when those teams at in Munster and I would talk about Clare, Cork, Limerick. I I think Tip and Galway are a bit ahead of the other c- crew at the moment. But 
when you beat a team, you nearly give the other team the motivation. So he's mm. nearly handing the baton over to them. And Cork will have had the five-week break, which Waterford yeah. won't. Waterford had been building up since that game, got a few performances in. They got over the hoodoo against Kilkenny. They um, beat Wexford comfortably enough. I'll be Wexford got a goal in the end. So it's uh, it's going it's shaping up for a very interesting one this Sunday. And the thing, I think the last day Waterford didn't play the sweeper against Cork the first day. Is that right? The first day, uh, Derek McGrath probably gave in to the kind of um, the uh, I guess the hula bula around the county to say let mm. the boys off the shackles, but. Mm. The, the sweeper just suits the Waterford players. They don't have burners on the inside like Cork do. They rely on a savage work rate around the field. Everybody puts in the shift and then they got the scores and they get the go-to people. And they bring the likes of Morris on then or the finishers as they call them with 20 minutes to go. He rises up the crowd, that's, gets a, a goal or a few points. And that's why, that's where I don't think, that's where I don't think Waterford will be able to beat Cork is because they don't have, they don't have that classy forwards. You know, they don't have, they're all workers, like, they're all, they all put in around the same shift, like, they don't have a Milan, like, you know, don't have a fellow set, t- t- set things in fire, it, like. It depends where they play Aston Gleeson, he's harder of the year at the moment. Yeah, And true. If, he, if he hits centre forward and he's going through the centre and he just releases, if he plays like he did in last year's All-Ireland semi-final against Kilkenny both days, I think Cork will find it very difficult. Mm. He probably hasn't hit the same highs this year, though. I think he's probably struggled a little bit for farm. Yeah. Um... Which would be a worry for Warford. I he need him to perform I, I on re- Sunday. Yeah, he needs to perform. Um, like you've got Kevin Moore and Brick, who kind of plays half forward. They come into midfield, you know, and they get on at a lot of ball. And then you rely. They, they kind of start Shane Bennett, Stephen Bennett, or Jake Dillon as a two-man foot forward line to really mm. work and try and open up the channels for the half forwards coming that's, through. That's why Morris is is not is always going on because there. he wouldn't have the legs that Bennett would have or or Jake Dillon. No, have, but. The, the, the world around home now though is that like. If Ty de Borca is out, Dara Fies goes back in as a sweeper, they'll shuffle the team back and they reckon Morris will start and apparently he's chomping at the bit to kind of get in there. Well, he's been great. He's come on. He's sco- he scored a goal in the last two games. He scored a goal against I think McKinney. he's better coming on though. I think he's, yeah. he's just got that effect like a for crowd as well and he just brings the team up another notch. Like The, the only thing with Morris is the ball goes into the foot forward into Morris, the ball sticks. Yeah, he'll hold it up. And, and, yeah. and he's actually the last day against Wexford the first two balls he got usually Morris scores and looks for his own score and that's the way he's been with this more because he's been dragging us through championship for three years and that's how he's used to playing but the last first time he got the two balls one pass off to uh, Brian O'Halloran lovely mm. pass, ball over the bar another pass off to um, I can't remember who it was but he, he created two points before he scored two points mm. which is kind of he's a sure He's a big man, like he's very hard to handle. Even though, like Callan's having a great year this year, like he's yeah. he's really stepping up the plate. I think it's been his standout year. I think it's his breakthrough Brilliant. year. He'd been heavily he, criticised for a number of years, especially even within Cork. He'll still he I reckon he'll still struggle with with Morris, like and Morris will do a bit of damage on him. But I I I'm still confident enough. I'd say I think the open space. I, I the, the one thing I'm worrying. Two things I'm worrying about. Number one, the five week break definitely, and number two. The, the whole the whole the, the whole aspect of revenge again I suppose yeah. from from Waterford and coming up to coming up to Crow Park but I think the Crow Park factor might help might help the Cork lads you know as in the Cork forwards and the space if they can if they can utilize the space well like. I think what would be different for Cork this year I think will it be, did Clare play the sweeper against Cork in that Munster final. Yeah, they're in the final. No, this year. No, it's the final this year. This year, no, I don't know what Clare did. They were so wacky. Yeah, because I don't yeah. think Clare, Cork haven't come up against the sweeper against Waterford this oh, year because yeah, they played yeah. the traditional 15th. Right. Tipperary didn't play the sweeper against them either. So I don't think Clare did. No, I don't think Clare did that no. day. So if, if Waterford ended up tied to work or if it's their fives or whoever it is, if they're set up in that way, 
what way the Cork forwards are mm. react to that because obviously the Cork forwards have been fantastic this year because they've had space they've had like, space yeah. like, mm. like of Alan Cadigan if had space, Alan Cadigan was fantastic last day scored mm. 1-3 I think he did yeah. clear. if he's not getting that ball in around there you'll wonder how they'll go um, you know and, and the same with I think the last day Connolly Ham was very quiet but Cadigan stepped up injured too though. he was carrying injury yeah, yeah. I, I think it's interesting that because on most of the teams you talk about their half back line or the half forward line is the game winners look at Galway and you look at Tip or, sorry Tip is the full forward line but Cork is very much the full forward line is their yeah. line yeah. and if the Cork full forward line don't fire with a sweeper in front of them and Noel Connors has a great reputation on Patrick Horgan uh, if they can calm yeah. Uh, yeah. I reckon um Waterford can close out that danger line. Do you only, yeah, the only saving grace in the in the Cork forward line, if the full forward line isn't going well, is you look the Lee Hand into to maybe yeah. to get scores from then. I don't think yeah. I don't think Kingston and look he's having a great year, like it's his first year on the team, but I don't think he's gonna be you're gonna be looking to him to He's put not in a three or four point a no, game. No, he's not. He's a good worker and that's yeah, score three points now just because you said that yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I just think Lehan is the other club, but you're you're dead. I'd agree with you on the full far line. And like Noel Connors has always got the better of Pat Hargan. I don't think Pat Hargan's ever got the better of him. Who I think is in Cork's favour though, to counter the two things that you're with the five week break and that is that Cork are playing without any fear this year. That's they seem yeah, like they're yeah. just playing with total mm. abandon. And mm. it's fantastic to watch that. They're not afraid to make mistakes. They're playing no. short ball, they're playing long ball. Balls outside, they're running with the ball. They're at, like, they've been, I think they've been the, probably the most, like Galway obviously have been fantastic. I mean, we'll talk about them in a second. But for me, as a Kenny man, it's hard to say this, but Cork have been the most enjoyable team to watch this year. I think yeah. as, a, as, a, yeah, as, a, as a style of hurling to watch they're that. a breath of fresh air to watch because yeah. of that total abandonment yeah. they're just like they've cut loose yeah, you know and, and, and what's so funny about it is I suppose but by, traditionally car teams are all successful car teams have always played like that but I think I think what's yeah I, I think I agree with you on that, but what's interesting is that it's this group of players has got so much stick the majority of them mm. for, for the last few years for not delivering it's and now nice it's, to see them do well now, now it's it's three quarters of that group of players are still on that team. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you've got the likes of Mark Coleman and Fitzgibbon in the midfield, Fitzgibbon, yeah. and you've got Kingston, and a few more have come through. But like to see those, like, and Cal Land is an example of that. That he's he's gotten woeful stick, yeah, woeful stick, and more in his own county than anyone else. Oh, fact, and, and that's why I think it's it's great to see them play like that. And I think hurling has been worse off for not having Cork up at that level for the last few years because Cork have always been there thereabouts mm. as it, and it haven't been competitive really. Like, the Becky Kenny 2013 in a, in a qualifier yeah. and obviously went on to an Ireland final but even since then they haven't threatened no. them. you know like it's fantastic to see them back like Hurling needs Cork to be mm. competitive and to be in Ireland semi-finals and to be winning mm. Munster I, I disagree with you on that it's been a Watford man now fairly <laughs> straight up I could see him snap <laughs> he was I used to love back in the mid-90s when we'd beat Cork in a 4 Munster final comes to the map but no I, I, look I semi-agree with you but I think you you mentioned Coleman and Fitzgibbon and Luke Mead and, and but for me the guy the new guy who came in this year that's really shored up that whole Cork defence is uh, the cornerback what's his name Colm Spillane Colm Spillane oh, he's been fantastic yeah. actually what epitomised him purely I, I think it was after the Clare Munster final was there a clear lad on, a clear sober a clear selector on the pitch and Colm Spillane blew him off the field with a shoulder but he was, was on Conor McGrath and he's on Conor McGrath yeah. I thought he'd get taken to the cleaner yeah. exactly yeah. he's phenomenal he's like yeah. he'd remind you nearly of that Galway cornerback we were talking about earlier in the minor he's just catching ball in catch the air for a small ball, yeah. guy he catches the ball in the air and he doesn't look that fast he doesn't, doesn't no. but he's always in the right yeah. he's, he's had a phenomenal yeah. year for me Cornerback. No, he's been fantastic yeah I reckon he's in line for an all-star he's, I'd say he's the number four do you think so? Him I think Connors are number four and 
yeah. possibly wh- whoever comes out on top on either side of the pitch there this weekend yeah. could decide mm-hmm. that also. I don't think there's been any other standout cornerbacks. Tui from Galway, I suppose. Tui from Galway, yeah, an interesting on, on Galway tip the week. I thought Tui started very nervous. Who was he on marking? Sunday? He was marking. Was he, was he on? Was John, he on, was he on, was he on what was it, John McGrath? He, he was, was on bubbles. Was on bubbles. Yeah. I think no. He started nervous in terms of I, I, the well, first few balls. The two of them were quite, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I thought. Yeah. And John McGrath, or John McGrath got one, 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 one over two. One bubbles probably got three four points. He got a very fortunate goal though, John McGrath. He did, but he still persevered with it. Do you know what I mean? No, it was a mistake that like, that ball should have been cleared. But that was an example. Of he was a finisher, he, like yeah. Yeah, you know, because um, the Galway Tip game was was fascinating. I have watched it back on Monday and watched the Sunday game there last night. Um, I think it was probably the best hurling game of the year. Not necessarily the most, the best skillful game or the best scores, but it was just the intensity yeah. and the hitting in it. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, there was. I mean, they, they were giving out. Well, they weren't really giving out, but there was some bit of criticism and on the live commentary when I was when I was watching for mistakes for mistakes. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, that was pure, and I think they they tidied it up on the Sunday game when they said that was purely down to the to pressure they were under. Yeah. Brendan Cummins said it like that. It was all down to the pressure they were under, like. And I think the pitch, the pitch uh, like it, there was lots of rain in Dublin. Not that we were there, yeah. <laughs> but uh, there was lots of rain in Dublin. The minor match was total washout, and uh, but to be honest, some some of the wides I still kind of like. Shane McCallum missed two sixty fives. He never misses sixty fives. David Burke was in front of the goal and drove the ball wide. Um, Brendan Maher missed one right in front of the goal. Brendan well. Maher, all the two that like, came back in right, got hooked. The ball was clear down the field. Th- there were so many chances that actually for both sides. That they normally would have scored. You you probably should have had the game finish up one twenty eight to to three twenty mm. or something. Mm. Like that. Normally you need 25, 26 points to win a game of hurling these days. Twenty two on it. Yeah. And a twenty two on it, mm. which was which was unusual. Now it didn't take away from the what what, what a, a quality game it was. And even Joe Canning missed a couple of frees in the Joe first half. Well. Missed the yeah. first two frees. Yeah. Well, I think on on what you said about um, the mistakes and the way it was, it was kind of corrected on the Sunday game, but reading Jackie Turner had an article in the Irish Times in the lead up to the game was the pressure in an Ireland semi-final it's the worst game to lose he was saying it's worse to lose in an Ireland semi-final than an Ireland final yeah because you pre- want to get there you, like. you want to get to the final yeah. like you know because he says if you lose an Ireland semi-final you don't know where you stand because yeah. yeah. are you the fourth best team you yeah. know, or, you know, at least if you get to the final you know you're in the top two and yeah. you can pick about up what went wrong but if you lose a semi-final it's the unknown of how would you have done in the final. Because yeah, because the goal obviously at the start of the year for all these teams is to get to the All Ireland final. Anyway. Yeah. Well, to win it anyway, but yeah. you know to get to an All Ireland final, yeah. get to All Ireland final in September. That's and you don't uh, know what happened in the final. No, that's the and, it, and I remember Derek McGrath in the interview after the Ricky Kenny the replay last year, like he was obviously crushed after losing the match. But what he said was he was nearly in tears saying was that we're as far away now mm. from an All Ireland final as we've ever been. <laughs> because they had lost the semi-final yeah. do you know like, is it, like common, it didn't yeah. matter that they were in a puck of a ball no. or they could have won it yeah. no. they didn't win it they're like someone who was knocked out in the first yeah. round because the, the, the goal they, was to get they there they put in all that effort and still yeah. nothing to show for it yeah then. and he was so honest And but it was I, it was a fascinating insight in that yeah and he's right like that it was back to square one now they're back in an Ireland semi-final again obviously on Sunday which is fantastic but when you lose that semi-final it's a long way till August again you locked out in August. It's a full year before you can get yourself sure. back in that position to be in one again. And, and Galway at the weekend were f- as far as the way <laughs> than anyone else last year. And now they're back in the final. And it's they, they've got a great team and they've got a great chance. And, so and you, yeah, and do you know what? I just think about Galway this year, talking to people before the match, I thought Galway were going to win it myself. It was just, I think there's a different air about them this year. There like is. There's a bit of steel to them. Not that they didn't have, they've, they've bet Tipperary before in our semi-finals, but 
they just look like they have leaders all over the field they're not depending on one forward or one defender no. to, to lead and I think looking at the other or the Leicester final obviously was it Joe Cooney what did he get in the, in the Connor Cooney oh, Connor Cooney sorry it was seven, seven points, points yeah. play. and he probably had a, a quite enough game yeah he got two nice points he got two actually, nice yeah, points yeah. in the first half but and Joe Canning was quite in the first half but next minute then in the second half Joe Canning I suppose for the last 15 minutes probably got I three or four points you know a different different players stepped up at different times they weren't they weren't depending on one think, fella to lead. They weren't looking around. I think Joe Canning's performance epitomised the whole half because he wasn't going well in the first half because of stuff he was... Well, people are saying because he was missing and, you know, he wasn't getting the ball in his hand. But, like, you see the work rate he had in the first half. It was unbelievable. He was throwing himself into everything. And he, yeah. got, a, he got a yellow card because he yeah. was throwing... And he, he could have been sent off after that. He caught another fella high. Like, yeah. But that was purely out of, like, his desperation to get at the ball. And... Like he, he he kept that mindset all the way through the match, and that's that's what his reward was in the in the end, like yeah. of getting those scores. I'm mean, like the score before the, the winning point was unbelievable. Where he, where, he left, yeah. where, he did, where he didn't look, yeah, yeah, was, that's as good as the winning score. And just free, yeah. and the free from his own forty yard line as well. He yeah. scored the last four points of the game. Yeah, yeah. for Galway, he was. I yeah. thought he'd get man the match. He didn't get nominated. No, I couldn't believe yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I thought Parik Mar obviously got two points, but I thought he was lucky to get a nomination so for the match. JJ, it, was, it was very interesting listening to JJ, and JJ said that if you're consistent in the first half and you're outstanding in the second half, you have a good chance of getting man of the match. But if you're bad in the first half and then you're unreal in the second half, you mightn't probably get it. And that's probably what Joe was. He but was not to get nominated, though. Not to be in the top pick. Gar- Gerard McInerney was, was nailed on man of yeah. match for me. Who was the other guy? Connor Whelan was Fantastic. far superior to Joe. And you could argue that Dai Burke was just as good, even though he'd one slip with James Gannon. Yeah. You could argue too he was in the in the running for Johnny Cohn got two points from midfield. Yeah. Um there, there was a lot of that but yeah, Joe like if as, as I say, if Joe wasn't playing Galway wouldn't have won the match. No, no, no yeah, I think But maybe you could argue the same for uh, Gerald McInerney at centre back or did yeah. Burke. Bonner Bonner was very quiet, wasn't he? Like like you're so used to seeing him marauding and those runs he makes that he sucks in players. I think he had one of those runs in the whole game that Road McInerney was was catching ball over him. He was he was all over him. Yeah, I don't think Bonner caught a, a clean ball in the air. No, you know, and normally he's worth three or four, yeah. you know, from puck outs like you know. Um, but what I also what I also love to see was in, I think it was in the first half. Is, is it John Embry the cornerback? Yeah, he came out with a ball there in the first half, which he had no right to get out, but he was I'm getting out of here no matter what, and he just kept going along the line. Yeah. The kid lads couldn't stop him, and I think they were leading from there. It wasn't that he was just clearing his lines. He was getting out to make sure he was in a position to give a good ball. I think Goddard's distribution of the ball, I think it was picked up, I think it was listening to um, Tolly Canning on off the ball. The way Garone McInerney came out with the ball, he wasn't doing the hero clearances. He hit oh, those little short 20-yard pop passes. Give it to Joe. Give it to Joe. Yeah. Joe was in the pocket. Joe was in the pocket, yeah. yeah. Like, you know, which but, was, but was... their distribution from there up was good, but their, some of their distribution in the first half from the forwards was brutal altogether. Yeah. They were spraying balls around the place and missing their targets. Yeah. They eventually got it in the second half, obviously, but I thought their distribution up front was very poor. I think they were a bit shaky at the start, like. Definitely nerves came into it for Galway yeah. and for Tipper. They were both so wound up. They both yeah. knew how big a deal the game was. Um, and uh, look, I, I think Galway were the better team throughout the game. I think flashes of Tipperary brilliance kept them in it. Like Galway could have won by more. They could have won. By, like Joe Canning actually missed a goal chance that he would have normally buried. The one where he pulled where it bounced lovely. I think it was Johnny Glynn actually who I can't believe he's real coming pass. I can't believe he's living in New York and coming back playing in the county. You see the shape of him. Yeah. yeah. He's unreal. Yeah, he's, he's a huge man, he's but huge. he's fit looking yeah, like, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. And see when he came on as well, every time he got the ball, simple hand pass yeah. out. 
Simple hand. Yeah, he did a couple of times. He yeah. missed. He, I think he had one chance for a point when the first ball they got. He, he missed it. But it wasn't far away. Yeah. Every game, every ball after that, it was a little hand pass off, simple ball to the nearest man without getting into any trouble. And he made scores out of it. But just on Tipperary as well, like, I feel, like, I think it goes back to when they won in, in 2010, they were expected to go on and maybe win two or three in a row. Didn't happen. Kick anyone in 2011. Didn't get back to an order final in 2014 and lost that again. And obviously won last year in 2016. And they're expected this year to back it up with two in a row. And yet again, they haven't. And I think it's... I think it's since the 50s they haven't backed it up with two in a row. And in the last 30 years, there's only two teams have backed it up with back-to-back colours yeah. and more. And that's Kilkenny have done it four times and Cork have done it once in 2004, yeah. 2005. And I think for me being a Kilkenny supporter, it just goes to show how hard it is to do, especially in the modern game. And I think Kilkenny won in 2014 against Tip and they bet God with the final year. People said, oh, it was a handy All-Ireland. Kilkenny still had to go out and do it. There is no handy All-Ireland. I know, but I think that All-Ireland wasn't yeah. valued outside, you know, it wasn't. I don't think okay, that's because they cruised to it. That's why I know, but like they, they cruised to it, but the hard work to do that. Like, yeah. they oh, were expected to win all Ireland this year, no. they would be favourites at the start of the year, to yeah. win, I think. And yet again, they didn't deliver. And I think, like, it's interesting you could talk about his mentality or what is it, but I think Nicky English said it in 2002. Tipper had won the Ireland in 2001, yeah, went out, lost to Kenny in Ireland semi final. And what Nicky English said was the hardest team to train in the country is a tip team after winning all Ireland. I think I think that's more down because you, you've picked out teams there like even the Cork team that did back to backs didn't have the same manager. It was John Allen. Uh, John, Allen from from Dorn John Allen had been involved in the setup though. It was, he, was, he was the Masseur. Yeah. <laughs> but he had been, he had been there. Uh, but I think uh, it's, it's down to the. It was a Masseur for the footballers over 20 years before that. <laughs> it, it was down to the mentality of Cody, I think. So he just doesn't allow ego, he doesn't allow any of the airs and graces. You're gone after team once you're gone. Like the what he did to, and I don't mean it's bad, but what he did to Tommy Welsh. Tommy Welch would have been on senior county teams for probably four years after he should have been with his reputation. But straight away, Kenny, the minute his performance yeah. went below standard, he was gone. Yeah. That was it. Um, probably a testament to how kind of, not to Kenny, how few players that have come through this year is the fact that Richie Hogan had to play with an injection. Whereas in the past, Kenny probably wouldn't have had to risk that or mm-hmm. put a player in who was at 60% because they wouldn't mm-hmm. have been making the team. But now I think they just don't have the comparable to players that they had 10 years ago. So, But I think Kenny's expectation, I mean, Kenny's support from this year, being honest, I didn't expect them to beat Wexford and Wexford Park. And I wasn't surprised when they lost to Waterford. And that's obviously hard to say and disappointing. But we just yeah. like we didn't have the same quality players like we've had. But being a Tipperary supporter, I'm sure you're very disappointed oh, losing Ireland. Yeah. When, you know, when you have that, that, the quality of the team hasn't dropped is in terms of, that's level, obviously Colin Barrett was missing and that's a talking point. But in terms of, it's more or less the same team. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think, the, I think, I think, yes, they'll be disappointed they didn't get back into another Ireland final. But I think more disappointing is they didn't back up their Ireland win last year with this year. And the, once saying. again, they've like that has to be a big psychological kick in the in the guts for them. Like, yeah, and I think they really struggled the last time after doing it in tw- in twenty ten, then twenty eleven. Obviously, Kilkenny beat, but it took and twenty twelve they took that hammer of Michael Kenny in the Ireland semi final. It took them up until twenty sixteen to come back. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and to win the Ireland last year, it was a, six years. There's no way in 2010 after the winning, you would have said it's going to be six years before Tip win another Ireland. No. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be another six years from now, but no. you don't hopefully know. Hopefully, oh, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, I wouldn't mind. 16. It. Yeah, I wouldn't mind it myself. 20, what, that, what does that make it? 2022. <laughs> no, but it, I'm just saying it's it's amazing in sport that, like, that was one point difference on, on Sunday. And Joe Canning's wonder scored the end, and Bubbles had that chance at the end. Oh, you would have fancied him. Yeah. You know, he's he's so risky that he could have scored that point yeah. wide. Yeah. And that was it, it's over. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's mm-hmm. amazing. The, like, 
how small the margins, the margins are, yeah. are at that level at the, and the, the, the intensity that was played at like it was such a spectacle and so enjoyable to watch um, and that had to be a loser it was tipping I'm not too sad about that but, uh, it, but you know they're as far as ways like we said for Watford they're as far as ways they'll ever be a win in Ireland now yeah so, and still with a very good team and still with an excellent and probably, yeah. the, probably the best team on paper yeah you know brilliant brilliant individual players there yeah. so it'll be interesting to see how how Sunday will go will, you, will you be watching it live John I'll be watching it very much live yeah um, I think I will live yeah. <clears throat> yeah, well, I think when you're when you're bored, you're kind of I think you're, you have I to think, watch yeah, it I think yeah I'm using Liam's login no, no, he's not not <laughs> I, I, I think that we'll, actually what we'll see this Sunday is actually, I think you will have more accuracy. I think we'll have less nerves. I think Cork and Waterford are both a bit younger in the legs and in the mind than both Tipperary and Galway. If you look at the Tipperary team and the Galway team, a lot of the guys are 27, 28, 29. If you look at Cork and Waterford and take out the Brick Welch because he's just an exception, right? Most guys are 21, yeah. 22, 23. And I think both teams are going to go into it Waterford have a point to prove they've lost two semi-finals in a row Cork have a point to prove because they don't want to be the Munster champions like they were in 2014 and they get kicked out in the semi-final yeah. again and they're both very young so I think they'll just both go for it I, I think you could see a, a high scoring game a high scoring mm-hmm. game I think points wise definitely I don't know about goals Cork and Waterford games are always massive point wise aren't they yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Always, but I don't know it's, it always seems to be when Waterford teams beat Cork if they get goals They'll yeah, be Cork, yeah, that's like, true. If, you know, Cork can go and plug 26, 27 points and maybe win the game. Yeah. But if Waterford don't get goals, they, they could. But but that's, that's only going back in history. But yeah, like in the last previous years, Waterford been tacking up massive point scores as well. Like, so. 22 points won't win it on Sunday. No. We can safely say that, I reckon. I think we can safely say that. I don't think no, 22 points. I'd say you're right. I, I think it's 25 plus. I think we'll win 222 on, on Sunday to win it. Okay, and who are you calling for? Who do you think is going to win, John? I, I put aside your Waterford Allegiance. I'd say no. Putting aside my Waterford Allegiance, I think Waterford are going to do it. Okay. Oh, I want to do it. Uh, by what? I think they'll win by either two points or four points. <laughs> Sean? Well, obviously, I'm going to go for Cork, but not just being biased. I, I think the, the kind of reckless abandonment that they have. I think the open spaces of Crow Park is definitely going to be a factor. Um, as I said, the five-week break could be could be a factor, but I'm, I'm sticking with Cork. I reckon they'll probably win by about, I'd say, two to three points. Three three points. Yeah, yeah, and I'm going to go with Cork myself. I just think they've been the farm team. I yeah. don't think the five. Your parents are from Cork. The parents are from Cork, but that's <laughs> that is actually not helping in, in my uh, choice of who's going to win. But I, I really think Cork will win. They've been very exciting to watch. I think, like Shawnee said, they'll have no fear going in on Sunday playing against a Waterford team who they've already bet. Yeah. Like I don't think they'll be they'll fear Waterford. Like obviously you could say it's set up for that revenge, but I don't think Cork will see it in that way because I don't think there's been that history between Cork and Waterford this generation of teams think, in the last few years. Where obviously back in the mid nineties you had. The, those huge satanic battles. I don't think there's that kind of hatred of each other or that you know, like we've had uh, previously. I know that obviously. No, but I, I think the, I think the game will will breed something very similar really, to that, though. Yeah. yeah. Okay. There's been a few instances, like I think when Watford, this Watford team came, and you remember the wonder goal scored by Austin Gleeson, where he caught the sideline, ran through the whole Cork defence, yeah. and stuck in the top corner after hurdle. They've played, I think, four times in Championship over the last couple of years. I think Cork probably have won three of them actually, and Watford have won one or something like that, and. Um, yeah, I, I think I think there's a, a, another rivalry building here. Yeah, um, so, I think yeah. I think Tip might go back a bit over the next few years. I think their their team between half back line and half forward, including their midfield, they're all 
27, 28, 29. And I think like 2010, they were coming, they didn't back it up. So I think they might come back into the pack in Munster a bit this year. And I think Clare are an absolute enigma, right? Because they just, you just don't know what to do. So it's, it's set up for Waterford and Cork to have another little rivalry there yeah. and dominate Munster in the next couple of years. And I'd, I'd like to see that, obviously, bring back memories of... Or three, or four, or five, or six, or seven. But um, not not a wait. We won't mention a wait. No, we won't mention. Should be a cracker though on yeah. Sunday. I'd say it'll be a, a serious Sunday. game on Sunday. That'll be definitely one you have to stay up to watching. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you're using my login, Sean, I won't be watching. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm gonna have to watch it Monday and stay away from the you, phone for a You stay in bed and and, and, yeah. and forget about that. Right, and don't look at it. don't look at the the net in the morning. Happy to do that. Well, I think that brings us to an end for our, our first episode of G GA. Um, thanks very much for joining in. You can follow us on Twitter at GDGA and the same on Instagram at GDGA. Um, we hope to be back next week with another episode. And uh, thanks for joining in and thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank you.